What's happening, party people? It is me, your host. It's Damien L. Butler, the mentor you didn't know you had. So I want to come in and say I appreciate everybody for rocking with us this season as we uh, came back from a long pause. We got everything going. We put some things together. We talked about a few issues, uh, answered a few questions. Thank you all for tuning in to the five good minutes. And I enjoyed doing those. We enjoyed getting those questions and uh, putting those together. Thank our uh, guests that we had on. You know, we, we rocked out with, with Tiffany. It's really important that we continue to uh, grow our community, reach out and get information from those that have it to help us go to the next level. We're going to take another pause. It's, it's time to take a break and, and work on a few other things. But while we're gone, you know, just know that we haven't forgotten you. We're just working in a different area. We're going to launch a little something different here in a few weeks with the Lax Box Podcast. We're going to focus our uh, podcast energy on growing the game of lacrosse, talking to some uh, heavy hitters, some movers and shakers, and people that are going to help us be better. And help me be a better player, help me be a better coach, and hopefully help you be uh, better in your game as well. The game of lacrosse translates over into life very easily. We call it the medicine game, the creator's game. You know, it, it is all those things that we, uh, it helps us out. It helps me out. And through lacrosse, hopefully we can uh, share some things with you and help you find some lessons that you can use to uh, improve your standing and move towards success. But before we shut it down for the season, we want to give y'all a, a little bit of a surprise. We were digging through the digital crates and found a file that we thought was gone. This is uh, one of the last episodes of our time on Detroit Radio. You know, before uh, I don't even know what it was before. <laughs> before all of this, it was back in uh, in. 2019. I mean, that seems so long ago. 2019. This is uh, a solo episode. I, I was in. I was in. I wasn't even in the studio. I was on the phone because we had so many things going on. We had some changes come up in the uh, recording and the production process. And I, I had to call in to the studio and and get the episode done. We got it done. It's completed. And it was live on the radio way back then, but we have a recorded version now to share with you so we can keep that journey going. I just want to thank you again for all of the, of the time that you spent with us. I want to give you this treat as we get ready to transition and know that we are continuing, continually, continually continuing to work forward. We're moving forward and get, and making things happen. The title of this uh, lost file is What do you do when adversity comes? When when things get hard, when it gets hard, when when it, it's just rough, and I don't want to do this anymore, and why why me? Oh, why they messing with me? Why they picking on me? Why, why, why? What do you do when adversity comes? 
I hope you enjoy it. it. This is a long one for a solo effort, just me by myself. I had to fill that uh, radio time that we had. I was with a co-host, but wasn't for this episode. Enjoy this long version of a solo effort. We'll see y'all soon. Thanks for rocking with us. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy this. I'm in the studio again, and that's true. We just got another one of those things come up, but we got to keep the show going. I am on the show alone today. Rock is still out working on another project. We still got some things we need to talk about and get some things done. So we are bringing it to you the best way we can. Hopefully we can help you through some situations, teach you some lessons, and get some things accomplished on your path to the next level. This week we're going to talk about things of what happens when adversity comes. When you set out a plan, everything looks like it's in order, looks like everything is moving forward, things are going well, then out of the blue. Something changes that whole predicament and sets you up for what looks like a fail. It's part of the process. Uh, Murphy's rule, Murphy's law, whoever Murphy is, that dude uh, needs to be beat down. But he always gets away. We got things we got to work on, and adversity is going to come to test us and make sure we we truly want to do what it is we set out to do. So we're going to talk about a few things that uh, come up and, and need to be dealt with and how you overcome adversity and still achieve the goals that you set out to achieve. Going through the week, you know, checking around, looking around social media, trying to find the, the, the good things going on in social media moment. There's a lot of people doing their thing. Nothing special this week. Unfortunately, just getting busy, dealing with adversity, not a whole lot of time to surf the web. You've got to sit back, reevaluate, and think about, okay, do I really want to do this thing? And most of the time, the answer is yes, so you want to fight through adversity. But if you don't, adversity is the first test to let you know or to, to, to ask you is this really what's going on. And if you can see adversity, you know, meet it face-to-face, and adversity can deter you, then you didn't want to do whatever you said I could do anyway. I mean, it's just that simple. This, is, this comes to test your fortitude. It comes to test your strength. It comes to test your values. All those things that need to be tested to make sure you are prepared to do what's next. Huge test of of self-worth and of values and of your desire. For example, let's say you have the interview that you've been waiting for for your dream job. Whatever that job may be, you know my dream job. I don't. I've had my dream job a few times, so I don't really know what that next job is. But you get the resume set out. You apply for the job. You get the call back. You even got the interview. Sitting in the interview, you start asking questions, and they start digging into how you connect with their organization's values, and you start to realize that your values don't connect anymore. You got a choice to make. Are you 
after this dream job for the money? Are you asking the dream job for the experience? Are you asking this dream job just to say you have a job at this particular company that anybody wants to work for? Small piece of diversity. But now it's a check on your values. What are your values? Do you know? Have you written them down? Do you have them in the back of your mind somewhere? Because that, that, that's, a, that's a huge question. That what's important to you as you move through what What are you willing to accept? What are you willing to walk away from? And what values hold you to those, those the words that you set for yourself? What's important to you? What are you willing to walk away from? What are your deal breakers? Adversity either brings them out of you, shows them to you, or lets you know that you don't have any. As I go through and look back over the years of mentoring and dealing with different people and personalities and, and challenges, my values have come, you know, going through the ups and downs, dealing with adversity and understanding what I want to do and, and how I want to get there. My values are faith, family, focus, and fidelity. I value my, my, my self-confidence, my belief in myself. If I don't believe I can do this thing, no one else will. Before I apply for a job, before I sit down for an interview, before any of that, I need to be able to say, I can do this and believe what I say. If I don't have faith in myself, no one else is going to have faith in me. My next value is family. I'm not doing anything wrong, and the stuff that I do affects other people. Not just the people in my house, but the people that I come in contact with through various relationships. I need to have the right people around me to keep me going, to keep me focused, and to help me get through some of the challenges that are coming that I don't even know are there yet. Focus. The value of focus is me being able to remain clear on the things that I'm working towards. The things that other people do, the things that are coming my way, I need to make sure I can see, I can deal with that and see through it, see the end and maintain the big picture. Work on the small details. Know what's going on in little areas, but how does that play into the big picture? Value of focus is very important. My value of fidelity, that comes back to the work that I talk about so much. Doing the work, going through that process and being account accountable is, is huge. No matter what's coming, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm doing my best to do it. I can't say that I've always done it, but it, it's my intention. My efforts are going towards maintaining the word that I put out. If I say I'm going to do something, come back and check on me. It's going to be done. If it's not done, there's a good reason. Fidelity, accountability, work, all that, all that's important, all of that. Final value, fortitude. Even when, it, when it's bleak, even when it's scary, even when I don't know what's going on, even when there's just a lot of doubt, I got to keep pushing. I got to have the courage to get out there and make this thing happen. No one's going to believe in me if I don't believe in myself. No one's going to believe in me if I don't deliver. 
No one's going to believe in me if I don't put in the work. No one's going to believe in me if I don't see or keep the, the vision clear. And the people that I need to believe in me are the ones that are around me that are supporting me day by day. Adversity is going to draw these values out of me every chance it gets. When things don't go right, I have to sit down and, and, and rethink. Do I believe I can deal with this challenge in front of me? Do I have the right people to help me? Because when I get in my mind, you know, there's a lot of times that you just get stuck on what you see and you don't see it from a different perspective. So do I have the right people around me to help me gain that perspective, to teach me the lessons that I need to know to deal with and get over this hump? What's the big picture? You know, that, that, that's huge. That's huge. And, you know, adversity brings the big picture to you because this one thing is going to have a, a second and third order effect. If I do this wrong, everything else is going to be thrown off. Fidelity, man, I, I mean, I, I, I can talk about accountability all day, every day, because it's just a matter of doing what needs to get done. And then I just I can't be afraid of challenges. You know, you got you to deal with challenges head on. And that, that's just it. You, you got to deal with it. You can't run from it. Because you run from adversity, it's going to overtake you, and you'll never, you'll never succeed. You'll never, ever, ever get past this hump. Because every time you get to this point, you're going to quit. The cliche says, winners never quit, and quitters never win. Don't quit. Make adjustments. Talk it out. Build those communication skills. Depend on those relationships. And once you start to communicate with the people in the relationship, now that, that's, what, that's called accountability. Don't shut yourself out. Don't let adversity mute you. Don't let adversity change you. Don't let adversity stop you. No, let me re rephrase that change. Because change, there's something going to change from this, this, this process of dealing with adversity. But moving forward, you have to understand what's important to you. What's the goal? Why am I doing it? And how is this going to make me better? If adversity breaks you, you'll remain broken. But if you break through it, you're better for it. So it will change you. So I, I need to be careful with saying don't let adversity change you. But you gotta, you got to face it to be changed for the better. Trials come to make you strong. And that's what they're there for. What doesn't kill you makes you strong. In that aspect, yes. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Where's all this coming from? Why, why, why can't everything just go the way I want it to go and be you know, the way I want it to be? Because what you're doing in life is not all about you. Adversity comes so that you can help and, and build other leaders. So you can, have, you can influence and have impact in other people's lives. The first, my first value, which I call the five river rocks. I'll explain that in a few minutes. Of faith is me believing in, the, in my skills. But I have to take my skills to help other people. 
and be, believe that I can have a positive influence, a positive impact to help them go to where they want to go. The great motivational speaker, you know, the late great Zig Ziglar says, you can have anything you want as long as you help other people get what they want. You can have anything you want as long as you let, as long as you help other people get what they want. Pushing through and dealing with adversity may be a signal that you need to slow down and get some help to push you through. And when you step back to help somebody else, they help you and you just multiply your effort. Sometimes being, you know, believing just in yourself slows you down. So it's, a, it's a, an opportunity to help you realize that you need some help. You need to reevaluate the, the way you're doing things. Being alone is not going to work. Not going to work at all. I've said before, one is not enough. Not enough at all. Because once you go down, if you're all you got, you're down. But if you have somebody you can rely on to kind of help you pick up this load and take a knee with you, talk to you, give you a pep talk, get you right back where you need to be and keep going, now you go. The five river rocks are, are, are key to everything that I do. When I'm successful, when I'm not successful, when I'm learning new skills. Those five values, faith, family, focus, fidelity, and fortitude all come into play. I call them the five river rocks because they come from the story of David and Goliath. You know, adversity hit the kingdom of Israel pretty hard. They had this big dude out here talking all kinds of noise. For 40 days, Goliath came out and was taunting the whole army, but they were afraid of the giants from the Philistines. David's father told him one day, hey, man, go take this bread and this food down your brother on the front line. You know, see what's going on. He got down there, a whole bunch of people were hating on him. You know, they, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Just a little boy, yada, yada, yada. Go deal with the shepherd. Go, I mean, go, go deal with the, with the sheep. You know, go be a little good shepherd boy. David hears this dude out here talking all this noise. And the king has told, had already said that whoever kills this dude, I'll give him, you know, he can marry my prettiest daughter. David being a young man that, that he is, like, hey, not a bad idea. So he, he said, okay, let me give it a shot. They were so destroyed. They were like, okay, yeah, here's my armor, here's my sword, here's all. They was like, no, nah, I, I, I can't, I can't take all that stuff. I, I can't deal with that. David had to sit back and rely on the things that he had done. He had to go into his his values. He used his river rocks. He believed that he could go ahead and kill this giant with, without a problem. He knew he was standing up and fighting for you know the kingdom of Israel, his family, his friends, or his brothers on the line for his nation. He knew clearly that dude right there, once I kill him, my goal is in front of me. I know what I'm going to do. He knew he could do it because the fidelity of him raising the sheep, protecting the sheep, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. David had fought a bear. David had fought a lion. And David was already out there just, you know, working his slingshot to do what he had to do and felt that he had the skills. He put in the work. He had done it. He, he did what he needed to do. Assembly Fortitude was like, all right, I'm going to go out here and fight this, this seasoned warrior 
this giant of a man, but I'm going to take him out. Before he went out to fight Goliath, he went down to the riverbed and picked up five smooth stones. He picked up five smooth stones, not because he thought he was going to miss, but because he knew Goliath had five brothers. And he figured, if I take this dude out, his brothers are going to come after me. Just like your family's going to stand up for him. His family's going to stand up for him. Goliath's family's going to stand up for him. Five smooth stones. He only needed one, but he had five. So my five of the rocks are faith, family, focus, fidelity, and fortitude. Whenever adversity comes, I dig down into my proverbial kick bag, pull one out, and start slinging. Sometimes it's a little bit just reevaluating and getting my mind right and, and getting my confidence in order. Sometimes I need to reach out to somebody and say, hey, what's happening? You know, help me out. You know, let me, let's, let's talk this thing through. Sometimes I just lose focus. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to do too many things at one time. I enjoy a lot of things, and sometimes I just take on too much. So I have to step back and, and refocus. The accountability piece is, okay, now I have to evaluate my process. Am I doing the right work? Am I, am I doing everything? Or sometimes it does happen where it's like, you know what, I just don't want to deal with this. It makes me a little nervous. I'm a little off. I don't have skills. I haven't done it. Whatever it may be, there's doubt. So I have to have courage to push past the doubt to get things done. What are your values? Just take a minute. Take 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 a few seconds. I don't have a whole minute. Thank you. But take a few seconds and think. What are what are the things that you value most? What are the what are the skills? What are the traits that you have that you turn to in the time of adversity? When adversity comes, where do you turn to? Some people turn to the Bible. Some people turn to a group of friends. Some people turn to meditation. Some people turn to yoga. Where do you turn? And how effective is it? I can tell you from personal experience, my faith in myself has grown from a faith in God, a faith that's big of, of a process that's bigger than me. I learned the power of prayer, and I'm, I'm talking about prayer because it works for me. If you haven't tried it, give it a try. If you tried it and don't believe it, cool. What is it that you have? But for me, it's prayer. And I learned that in the eighth grade. What are you, 13, 14, 12, 13, something like that, in the eighth grade? And from that day forward, I've known the power of sitting down, stopping, and focusing on the, the process, and not holding all the power in my hands but letting it go putting it before God to say, hey, Lord, help us focus and do what we need to do. In eighth grade, I had, I was in the school band. I am a band nerd. I didn't play sports in high school. I don't know why I didn't. I just didn't. I was in the band, and I was good at it. Band concert in eighth grade. County band festival. We get our songs together. We've been practicing. We can go on stage. It was a group of, it was about five of us. We all decided, okay, we're going to say a quick prayer for the band before we go on and play. We came together. That's the family. We said our prayer. That's the faith. We were focused on just the two songs we had to play. 
we went out there and played. We practiced and put in the work in class and, and band rehearsals and all that kind of stuff. And regardless of how nervous we were, we still had to play. We had the courage, we sat down, and did our thing. We played for the judges. We were one of the highest-rated bands in the county. Outstanding. A couple of weeks later, we go to the next level at the, uh, the state band festival. Had the, you know, the cool stuff, getting on the little coach bus. Got the cushy seats, going for a nice long ride from school. Missed the whole day of school, so we can go fly instrument. We get up on the stage. We're one of the top bands in the county. We're good to go. We just play. We were horrible. Horrible. Came out with, I think, it was the, the highest rating is a one, and you get a two and a three. We averaged out with a, a two, but there were dreaders in and they gave us threes. We were that bad. We went from being one of the top bands to one being below average. We didn't focus. We didn't pray. We didn't put all that stuff that was going on around us out the way. We just tried to go do what we were going to do in our own power and our own mind. So that told me, one, yes, I can play, and I was good, but I was better in a band with family. We were extremely good when we focused. When we practiced and played well, practiced and worked hard, we played well. And when we believed that, there was nothing you could tell us to stop us. We didn't, we didn't fear anything. But when we went on our own and just tried to rest, rest on the laurels of things that we did in the past, adversity slapped us in the face and told us, you got to be better. And because of faith, the power of prayer, in the eighth grade, everything I've done moving forward has been relatively successful. And I've developed a short memory, too. There's a lot of things that, you know, adversity has come quite a bit, but there are a lot of things that I just don't remember. I mean, I've, I've, I've learned in baseball to be a, a Hall of Famer, you got to hit, you got you to bat, have a 300 batting average. That's hitting a ball three out of ten times. Three out of ten makes you good. So there are probably seven things that I forgot and there's three things that I remember being successful at. When adversity comes, sometimes you got to get over it and forget it. Keep the lesson, but whatever, you know, whatever schoolhouse it was in, I don't remember all that. I remember the lesson that, that forged these values in my life. I remember the lessons that taught me how to work hard. I remember the lessons that put me in a place where I get to lead others and I'm a credible voice. Sometimes people ask me things, and I, and I have to think about it. I remember, oh, yeah, I remember going through you know, that situation or this relationship falling apart or having this argument. But you remind me of when I have to sit, but I don't carry that baggage with me. Adversity comes to teach you quite a bit. Learn your lesson and move forward. But remember what the lessons are. What, what are the key points? What are the key points? Later on in life, about, I guess, eighth grade, 12th grade, I graduated, I was in the Air Force, so I guess five years later. Five years later. Basic training. And looking back now, the, the basic training is, is a challenge to, on, on different levels to different people. I went through Air Force basic training. 
not Marine Corps basic training. Marine Corps basic training is twice as long as the Air Force. Air Force basic training is the shortest of all services. It's six weeks long. The Army and Navy is eight weeks long, and the Marines are 13 and a half weeks long. So I'm in basic training for a month and a half in the Air Force. Marines in basic training for three, almost three and a half months. So take it for what it's worth. When I was going through basic training, there were times I really thought, it's like, man, this this isn't for me. This is What am I doing here? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? I, I was a, the dorm chief from the, the first day we got there. We, we got put in our flight, actually, at MEPS, leaving the military entrance processing station. I think that's what MEPS stands for. They gave me the, the, the envelope to carry everybody's paperwork. You're the you're highest-ranking new recruit going in. I got, you know, because of ROTC, I got to go in as an E3. Everybody else going in E2, E1, whatever, so I'm the highest-ranking on this particular flight from Maryland going to uh, Texas. So leadership opportunity number one, right out the gate. We get down to Texas. We get our, you know, get into the flight, get into the organization, going to the dorms. They're called dorms in the Army, I mean, the Air Force, barracks in the Army. So we get into the dorms, and they start shaking us down, taking all the stuff, all the stuff we're not supposed to have in basic training. Another thing about the Air Force is you take a suitcase with you to basic training, like I'm going on vacation. The Marines, you go to the recruiting office, you leave MEPS with the clothes on your back. Marines give you everything you need, everything. The new shoes you're going to wear, flip-flops, bed sheets, underwear, all of that. I had... I had my suitcase was so big I, I had to drag it. And this was before wheels were, were a big thing. So the Air Force was a challenge that's in my mind because looking back, man, this thing was so easy. Six weeks. I mean six weeks from now is roughly getting ready for Christmas, right? So it it's that short. But when you're going through adversity you don't know how long it's gonna last or what it is, but you gotta push through so you can keep on forging and learn these lessons. So they're going through all my stuff, throwing it around, and they see my ROTC certificate. I had four years of ROTC. The guy next to me had three. I had the most. I got to be the dorm chief. Cool. I'm in charge when the you know, training instructors aren't around. I have no idea what I'm doing because I just got there just like the dude next to me. I just happened to come with, four, with one more year of ROTC. So I'm learning on the fly. Adversity came every which way. I had to lead my peers and and get them to do things that they didn't want to do, things we didn't know how to do, and just be ready for whatever was coming our way. I had to make work schedules. I had to make uh, duty rosters. I had to learn everybody's name. I had all these things going on just flying at me. The lesson I learned there was to pray. Again, every night when I lay down in my bed, and I was one of the few people that didn't have a, a bunk above me, so I got to stare at the ceiling instead of somebody's body coming through a, a top bunk bed. Stared at the ceiling and prayed every night. Lord, help me get through this and learn what I'm supposed to learn. That experience built my faith. So we fast forward 
11 years, no? Yeah, well, fast forward to the Army. I switch out of the Air Force, go, go into the Army, get to Iraq. And they want to hand me the responsibility of millions of dollars. And I've always told myself, there's two jobs I never want in life. I never want to be a math teacher, and I never want to handle anybody's money. Lo and behold, adversity told, taught me that those are the two jobs that brought me the most success in my life. But I go through, at one, I'm going to Iraq. People are dying over here. And, you know, it's, it's part of what we do in the Army. Yeah, I got all that peace, and I'm a soldier with doing things. But, you know, that, that, that little piece of doubt in the back of your mind is like, man. So we go over, and now $5 million. Looking back again, I don't know. It wasn't that much money, but it was more than I'd seen at one time ever in my life, and I'm responsible for it. But building on praying, working hard, slowing down, and relying on people around me got me through it. Not even three months into the year-long deployment, I got pulled up to go handle not only my $5 million, but 10 other people's $5 million and all the other things that come with running an organization. The adversity and the fear, and sometimes adversity and fear go hand in hand, of being able to, of not knowing or not thinking I'm able to handle this task, took me back to praying, slowing down, and getting a focus on what's going on, relying on the people around me, keeping my goals clear in mind, doing what needs to get done, making sure at the end of the night I'm going through each step to make sure the money is counted right, the receipts are in place, the checks are where they need to be, and all the people that have the money are good to go, and they have what they're supposed to have so we can get close this day out and start anew. I mean, regardless if I was afraid or not, I had to keep on doing it. My soldiers were relying on me to get them what they needed so they can do their job. The adversity of not knowing doesn't count. It's there. But if I just give in to the adversity and quit, everybody around me suffers. What do you do when adversity comes? Lesson after lesson, I mean, I can go through, I can go on and on about different things and different opportunities I've had to, to fight and learn through and from adversity. But the, the key thing is don't quit. Don't quit. Sometimes you got to slow down. Sometimes you got you got to take a knee. Stopping and quitting are two different things. When you quit, that means you just let everything sit where it is and you don't touch it, you don't deal with it. It's just over there. I'm done. Stopping gives you a chance to reevaluate what you're doing. Who's in your corner? Who do you have that you can depend on? to get you through and teach you a process. Sometimes you don't have anybody. Sometimes you got to rely on the book. Sometimes you got to sit down and, and, and go to the library and just sit there and look. Go on the Internet, Google search. Google search adversity, how to overcome adversity, how to push through, how to do this. Relationships are key, but sometimes you got to rely on yourself. When it's all said and done, how do you deal with adversity? 
it's a lot running through my head because there, there, there are tons and tons of stories. All of those, those, those seven things that I forgot, quite a few of them are coming back now from how I learned to deal with this, that, and the other. Coming up with some of the things that I teach the young leaders that I have the opportunity to teach come from books, good books. I read a lot of John Maxwell, a lot of Zig Ziglar, a lot of Les Brown. My favorite Les Brown book is, is not over till you win. So adversity is going to come, it's going to throw you off, but you got to jump back in there and keep it going because it's not over until you win. When you have the ability to do, keep doing it. Keep pushing. Keep going. Winston Churchill has a quote that says, when you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. Because once you quit, you're going to stop and you're going to wallow in it. It's going to be around you. Everywhere you look, it's going to be a, remi a reminder that this is your new reality. But if you keep going, you look back at it and be like, oh, man, that, that was easy. And then if and when the, the situation comes back again, this is too easy. This is how I'm going to deal with this, and we're going to move on. What used to take you two weeks to do now takes you two days. Trials come to make you strong. Get stronger. As you get stronger, you can lift more weight. You can deal with more of the, the challenges and the BS that life has to throw at you. You get to a point where now it's like, oh, just whatever you got, just give it here so I can deal with it and move on and get what I got to get. It's a process. It's part of the journey that everybody's going through. You're not alone in this thing either. You're not alone. Some of those books that you're in the library looking for are written by people that have done this over and over and over. Grow strong relationships with books. Sometimes you're not going to hear what you need to hear from the people around you. and you know, Family is important, but family isn't always right. But even when you look and rely on yourself, you still got to reach out to other people that may not be physically present, but have a lesson to teach you. Lifelong learning is key to you getting through and beating adversity. So when people ask, what do you do when adversity comes? You have an answer. I read. I pray. I meditate. I keep grinding. I keep going to do all the things that I need to do. I find the answers. And sometimes the answer is just me stepping back and letting time go. And a new opportunity comes as time passes. Sometimes you just have to take a moment, take the knee, take a deep breath, count to ten, and look at it from a different angle. And most of the time, when you, when you step back and look at it from a different angle, you have a whole new vantage point. What changes your perspective? There are some traits that, that you need to have to overcome adversity. 
And one of the one of the traits that that, that got me that that kind of blew my mind when I read it. It, it took me a while to get it. Having empathy is is huge in getting you through adversity. Because other people have gone through things. They have gone through what you're going through. And when you can when you start to understand what they went through or what they're going through, your perspective changes. Because now you, you're reminded that you're not alone. You're reminded there are other people and now your network can kind of go in a different direction because you can go sit down and have a conversation with somebody that can drop some knowledge on you to, to send you in the right direction. You haven't gone through this process yet. You're, you're, you're just at the beginning, but you can look at somebody who's gone through it and understand that you know, I, I, have an, I, I can feel your pain on that. They can tell you how they dealt with it. You can take those nuggets, apply it to your situation. And because you understood them, your problem looks completely different. It looks a lot easier. Empathy. Being able to understand someone else's struggle, whether you've you gone through it or not. Don't confuse it with sympathy. Sympathy is just feeling sorry for my oh, no, no. Empathy is you understanding their process, even though it's not your process. Once you connect in a, a human kind of way to, the, to these situations, you're not the only one that goes through them. So now adversity has a little less strength because there's strength in numbers then you can kind of get the boost. Well, if he did it, I can do it. And if they give you the answer to the test, oh, come on, man, you should go knock this thing out. There's no reason why you should struggle. Empathy allows you to lean on someone else, to learn from someone else, to glean from what else, what else, what other information is out there in the world. You tie into it, and those people become allies. Those people become friends. Those people help you develop your values. Those people help you through the changes that you go through. It may be a one-time thing. There may be somebody keeping your corner and become part of your inner circle. Empathy will change your life. One other thing you got to be in something I say all the time, you got to be able to communicate. You got to be able to say, hey, it, it, it got me right now. I'm, I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm, yo, somebody come and, and, and help me out. If you can't say what's on your mind, you're going to be stuck. Communication, communication is, is leadership. Now, I've had this conversation quite a few times, and sometimes it got real heated. You know, leadership is a lot of things. We say leadership is influence. Leadership is communication. Leadership is competency, competence. Leadership is commitment. Leadership, communication. If you can't communicate, you can't provide purpose, direction, motivation. Because people don't understand the mission. 
and they don't know how to improve the organization. Tying into and building relationships with people is all based in communication. If you can't communicate, we're done. You got to be able to use your words. Body language is important, but you got to be able to use your words. Because sometimes you just hear people, you can't see them. And then once you start communicating, you got to understand how are you receiving this information? Because we, oftentimes we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we feel. And we're talking about communicating all the time with, with email. You know, back in the day, I used to have a BlackBerry. I used to work, I, I worked for government, so I had a BlackBerry. Even when iPhones were out, they gave us Blackberries. I just, hey, I had it. Don't judge me. But on Blackberries, you could, you know, make hit a capital letter. You had to put the little button. You got the little icon. But sometimes if you held the button down, it capitalized everything. Somebody could send you an email message by mistake, and it ends up in all caps. And by the time they realize that they wrote so much, you're not typing all that stuff back in on this BlackBerry just because it's in all caps. I'm like, all right, they'll, they'll be all right. But you have a bad meet. You have you have bad breakfast. You're not feeling your best. You get this email that's in all caps, and something's like, let's see, what's, what's a simple message that can be misconstrued in all caps? You suck. That all it says, you having a conversation, some little banter back and forth through email, and the email comes back, and you suck. In all caps. And you just came out of a meeting where your boys chewed up one side and down the other. And you really do feel like you suck. And now your partner, who, you know, you go back and forth with y'all, cool, you suck. Boom. You're already on the warpath. But now you have to realize, wait, what's going on? What were the prior emails? What, what, let me take a deep breath and disassociate this email or whatever's going on in this moment with everything that happened unrelated in the prior moment. What are we doing now that affects what's going on around us? Your communication skills depend a great deal on your ability to separate one thing from the next. Email is, is is going to be the death of communication. Not, not email, I'm sorry. Text messages is going to be the death of communication. We don't spell out words anymore. We we use pictures instead of, you know, we, you can send encrypted codes and people just won't understand what's going on. But like, I text you. I, I sent this and, and this LOL and LMAO and like, oh, use words, but people communicating. And you can send me something through text. I send you LOL. This ain't funny. I'm not, I'm, this ain't no joke. I'm not trying to get you to laugh. You need to tell me what's going on. But whatever's going on on the other end of that text, you got to separate yourself from it and realize, okay, Am I communicating out of frustration? I'm dealing with diversity right now, so I know I'm frustrated. I'm feeling it. 
you know, it, it's beating me down. So let me step back, think about it for a minute, or just just, just put it on pause. One thing that I've learned to do through email and text is sometimes I will text, I, I'll, I'll write a message in the moment that I'm feeling it, and I'll say what I need to say and leave it. Go walk away, go do what I got to do, go go do something else. Just go, sometimes go for a walk, or maybe right before lunch, go, let me type this up, leave it here, let me go eat, come on back. Sit down and now open it up, now this email is here, reread it. I'm like, okay. Man, that, that was kind of harsh. So let me, let me, let me step back and reword that a little bit. See, that, that, that's the, the blessing and the curse of email. So you can make a mistake and send the email out, but you can also write it, walk away from it, and then rewrite it. Your, your first, your, your first instance of how you wanted to deal with this situation may not have been the best. And I say your, your, your first feeling is usually the right one. Hmm, not all the time. This will definitely be one of those seven times that gets you hemmed up over the three times that you just blow through. But take your time with it. Take time. Reevaluate. And think about how you're feeling, how the other person is feeling, and what are you trying to say. How important is this moment right here, right now, for me to say these words? If I can, can I get it across another way? Can it wait? Is it something I need to say at all? Empathy and communication are the ways you're going to get through all the challenges that come your way. It's very simple. I'm lying. It's not simple. If it was simple, everybody would do it. Everybody would know how to deal with diversity. The world would be a much better place. And, you know, you wouldn't have nasty people sending you nasty grams and, and calling you names and trying to undermine. When adversity comes, how do you deal with it? Because it's coming. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to get ugly. Are you going to get ugly with it? Or are you going to be better than it and move forward and, and rise above and learn from this situation? Because every situation is a learning opportunity. What do you do when adversity comes? One more lesson adversity taught me. And this is more fear than adversity, I guess. But it's still... It, it, The first time I coached lacrosse was 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 different. It kind of came out of the blue. It came out of, you know, I was not looking for an opportunity. I was just trying to learn the game and play myself. And somebody came to me and asked me if I would, you know, help them out with this group they were working with. And those of you who know anything about lacrosse, for the most part, there are not a lot of black people playing lacrosse. There are black people playing lacrosse. There's not a lot. It's growing, though. It's growing. But I was playing on the team, and you know, I was talking to one of the guys who, you know, he he worked with a, a youth organization in the area, and he was talking to the organizers or, or the you know directors of the organization, and 
they were, you know, they had an affinity for lacrosse. And they were working with like inner city kids and, you know, uh, underprivileged kids from uh, the D.C. area. So it's like, hey, we're trying to get this lacrosse thing started and we've been working on it, but, you know, with my schedule and just me being who I am, I don't think that I'll be able to deliver the message you know, to the kids as, as effectively as you may be able to. And it, it was one of those things, well, because you're black, but it wasn't a bad thing. And I, I didn't take it that way. I'm glad I didn't because it, it was a beautiful experience. But me just being new to the game, and I was like, I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm capable of doing that. Not, not even being ready. I'm capable. So he, he studies talking. Hey, we're gonna set it up, and you know, you talk to the team, and you get out there, and you just, just do what you do. You, you you know the game. I've talked to you enough about the game, and you you can explain it. If you can explain it to me, you can explain it to these kids. All right, cool. So he convinced me to do it. I mean, I, I like to talk. I like to teach. And I like to play lacrosse. So it all came together. So I'm going up there, and I have limited equipment. You know, there's like 15 kids out here. I'm supposed to bring all this equipment with me. I have five sticks for 15 kids. I'm you know balls. My, so. The guy who, who talked me into it or, or introduced me to the program, he showed up. He had everything else I needed. We started going through and teaching the kids how to how to catch and throw, what ground balls are, what the lingo is of the game, this, that, and the other. And the whole time I'm going through and I'm, I'm thinking back on my mind, my, how, how stupid do I look up here? Because I don't know if they're getting what I'm saying, they understand what I'm saying. At the end of the day, because of my my ability to believe in myself and just you know have have the courage, the fortitude to push through and do things that need to get done, I was able to introduce lacrosse to, to young men who now play lacrosse in college. I was able to introduce them to the game of lacrosse at the college level, with at the Division One college level, not just any old college. There were you know. George Washington University was opened up to them. They had never seen certain things and, and as far as college or sports. And me pushing through and, and going through the adversity, going through the fear, I was able to change a couple of people's lives, a couple of kids' lives for the better. They started playing in high school. They got hooked. Now they're doing great things. Sometimes going through the adversity has nothing to do with you. Just go through it. When you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. Don't get complacent. Don't get thrown off track. Take a moment. Reevaluate what's really going on. Is this supposed to stop me? Is this supposed to help me? Do I need to reach out to somebody to get some help? What's going on? How do I get what I need to get? What do you do? when adversity comes. What are your hobbies? And how do you disconnect? And what, what, are, what are some of the things that you do to, to get away from it all and when you just have to kind of get things off your mind? I mean, you have a nice scotch that you sip on, is there you know, a nice little movie that you watch? Is there, you know, do you, what, what's your favorite show? What are you binging? 
Because you'd be surprised at how when you step away from something, you go into something else, you'll find answers in the most unrelated places. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I watch TV. And I watch it in bunches. Like, I'll, I'll take a day. Like, I haven't seen any of the, the uh, final season of Power yet. I'm going to sit down and watch it. I might, you know, take just a whole day and watch eight hours back to back. I don't know what challenge power is going to help me through, but there's going to be something in there that something's going to be said, one quote, one scene, and something that will throw you a curve. I'm like, oh, I was just thinking that same thing. That's what I was thinking. That was the, what, I, what I saw, what I should have said, or what I should have did, and it gives you an opportunity to restart on a new foot. Separate. Take a deep breath. Take a few deep breaths. When adversity comes, the last thing you should do is quit. Step back, reevaluate, figure out what's going on, use some, some other skills, some other areas to kind of build on what you need to build on here. Communicate. Be empathetic of other people in situations. And keep the big picture in mind. Why does the adversity come? Is it, is it coming to teach me something? Is it coming to try to shut me down? Is it trying to throw me off? Think about it. Don't just rush through it. But don't quit. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. Adversity is around every corner. Sometimes it just takes a little bit longer to get through. Sometimes it grabs a hold of you. It's your choice on how it's going to, how, how you handle it. When adversity comes, what do you do? So as you come to the end, the bottom of the hour, I hope you got a few nuggets to think about the next time you get challenged. What 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 are you doing? How are you gonna deal with it? What is what is your tool to get you through the next batch of adversity? Hmm. What are your values? What are the things that you're leaning on to make sure you get what you need out of this lesson, out of your journey? Who is your go-to? What's your go-to process? Food for thought. Let me know what you let me know what you come up with. You know that that that's 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 definitely something we need to teach each other and share. Hit me up on Twitter, D A M I E N L B U T L E R. Hit me on on Snapchat, on Instagram. All the same handle. Let me know what's going on. What, what, how do you get through adversity? What happens when adversity comes? As we get ready to close out the show, we, we, we got to share the, the iron supplement. You know, it's iron sharpens iron, sort of one man sharpens another. Our iron supplement today comes from 
that is a, a, a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. The great Dr. Martin Luther King says, The measure of man is not found in the comfort zone, but the measure of man is found when he has to deal with adversity. The measure of a man is not found in the comfort zone, but in how he deals with adversity. How do you measure up? When things get hard, do you duck and run, roll over and die, or put up a fight? The measure of man. How are you going to be measured? What do you do when adversity comes? Hit me up. Let me know. We'll stay in contact. Thank you all for another week. And this has been a rough one. But I promise you this. Next week, I will be back in the studio. DR 2020 is coming to you from the studio live over the airwaves. It's going to be me. No phones. Rock is going to be in. We're going to have some. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have some guests. We're going to talk about a few more things. But I appreciate y'all listening. Thank you all for taking a ride with us. Stay safe out there. See y'all next time. Peace.